Welcome to Triple M's Dead Set Legends podcast, delivered by Aussie Broadband. Switch to Aussie Broadband and enjoy ultra-fast speeds with $0 fibre upgrade. FTTC and FTTN addresses only. T's and C's apply. For your Saturday morning, we've got the biggest sports show in town. Let's go, go, go! Triple M's Dead Set Legends. I'm legendary. Joey Montagna, Jay Clark, Kath Wachnan and Lima. What a legend. This is Triple M's Dead Set Legends. Good morning, legends. Yes, I'm talking to you two and all our viewers. How are we? Viewers, that's interesting. I mean, so much, it's like a big brother house. Come on, hey, actually, Kath. we do have cameras in here. But. That's true. Mm. Uh, hello, Joe. Hello, Jay Z. Hello, hello, Kath. Hello. Got to How do something going? this week that I haven't done in quite a long time. What's that? I went. I went to the movies. Oh, uh, I know where you're going with that. And you know what? <laughs> <laughs> it's 10 a.m. on a Saturday morning. Yeah, I didn't. Does anyone go to the? Does anyone go to the movies anymore? Because no. I went to see the new MJ movie. Do you know what? I was thinking about going to the movies to see that movie. Yes. Yes. Well, I've I been it. told from a lot of people it's very good. It is very good. It's quite simple. It's yeah. about a shoe deal. Like there's no, you know, like no plot twist. It's right. yeah, exactly. It's very good. Guess what? He signs with Nike. <laughs> Sorry for this. Turned out to be okay, Michael Jordan. It's enjoyable for us because we love the MJ. So it turns out to be a good deal for Nike. This is not my point, right? But in that part, the shoe info is all uh, very interesting about you know Adidas and all that back in the day Converse uh, Nike. But you know what? The cinema was empty. So when on a Tuesday night, which is like the cheap ass Tuesday night, you always to go. Remember, there used to be a few people in the cinema. There was three other people in the cinema. Did you so, go by yourself? I was going to ask. No, a couple other mates. Like aside from us, aside from us, there was so you like left Jane at home again with the kids <laughs> while you went to the movies. Joey, you're not helping me on this course. Do you know what? There were so few people in the cinema at the Jam Factory there that there was no one even checking your tickets. We just walked in like no one. They don't even have staff. Checking, sort of Hang checking on. for I've tickets. I've kind of lost interest about the cinema experience okay. and your point with Jane. Like, like every time we ask you, what did you get up to on the weekend? What are you doing this weekend? Yeah. What's the highlight of your week? You're always talking about some sort of event with the boys. No. There's no mention <laughs> of <laughs> your beautiful wife. Talking about the war on radio. She had something. She um, had something else on. So it's opportune time to. Um, so what are you well, saying? She's about, not interested. What are you Michael saying Jordan? about cinemas? Do you think they will be like? Are they a thing of the past? How are they making any money? Obviously, everyone's sitting at home watching Netflix and uh, Stan and all those sorts of things like the, the cinema has become just about irrelevant hasn't it well I, I, I was just trying to think the last time I went to the cinema yeah. I took, actually I took Noah I tried to take Noah to his first ever movie and we got about 15 minutes in he got bored yeah. and we left so that's probably the last time I've been to the movies so there you go are hey, you a popcorn or choc top choc top I'm a choc top guy yeah, yeah right. good <laughs> what about you I'm um, popcorn really choc tops don't really do it for me Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'll pass on a chopped up. Uh, yeah, well, you probably um, have both. <laughs> oh, yeah, a bit of everything. <laughs> Whatever. Um, and you were at the hobby last night. We saw yes, you. Yes, I did. Went as a, just as a punter. I got did, invited did to you... the president's um, dinner, like uh, which was mm-hmm. nice. So we um, was took, took Milne along with me and we got to enjoy the game and watch the footy just as a fan. Didn't have to work, so it was nice. I did sort of feel for Milne because every time they cut to you on the camera, you were looking down at your phone. So Milne's sitting next to you going, hey, Joe, yeah, what do you think about such and such? And you're staring into oh, your at, phone. Looking at the stats. <laughs> I was just checking out the stats. Research Couldn't knows help no it, yes. Four wins on the trot for Port Adelaide. They defeated the Saints by seven points at Marvel Stadium last night. Opportunity now for Dersma. That's a high ball. Looking good. Looking really good. Inside forward 50 opportunity. Finlayson, three and a Row for Port Adelaide. Oh, Rioli, what about the bit of genius there from Junior Rioli? So that'll be really oh, disappointing God. for Dixon to allow that mark to be taken. And he's got some steam coming out of his ears. And he executed the smother. Ricochet back to Pal Pepper. And SPP kicks the goal. Massive play, Dixon. It's all over. And Kenny's pumped. The power with a big win on a Friday night. Big win indeed. Port have now won 12 of their last 13 meetings with the Saints. Travis Boat was brilliant. 30 disposals and a goal. Jason Horn francis produced arguably his best ever game. 25 disposals. The kid had 10 clearances by half time. Finished with 11. Joey Watt, a win on the road for the power. I know you went and watched uh, your Saints boys last night, but credit to Port and what they were able to do. Yeah, really good win. Uh, it's uh Sitting there watching it, it looked like two teams, two very good teams, and someone something had to give, someone had to win, um, and in the end, after a slow start, and the Saints jumped out of the blocks, and I think there was a moment late in that first quarter, they could have kicked another one and really put a gap on the score, but it got turned over and Port Adelaide in the end kicked the goal late in the quarter, and then from there, the power able to control sort of the, the contest for two and a half to three quarters and ran away with that seven-point win, but Saints, I don't think, lost any admirers. I thought it was a, a strong performance by them. 
Um, maybe they, they're needing Max King to come back soon. They're just There's just a little bit now lacking with that forward connection. But Port Adelaide led again by their young stars, Butters and uh, Butters and Horn Francis in the midfield. And, of course, the old boys both jumping on board. It mm. was a gutsy, good win by a team that should be playing finals. It's a big story from the Port Adelaide perspective. We'll get to them in a second. But for St Kilda, you know, they've been inconsistent over the past couple of years. Some of their losses, Joey, St Kilda's bad days that often get blown out. Yep. Think out of their past 23 losses, 10 of them have been more than, by more than 30 points. Last night, yes, they lost, but they were in the, co- the contest, weren't they? So yep. they just went down to Collingwood, just went down to, to Port Adelaide. And that, they're... they're St Kilda fans will wake up this morning happy that the gap between their best and their worst football has really shrunk. So it's a much more consistent form line. I'll tell you what the big story, Jason Orn Francis is one of them. The other one's Ken Hinckley. Started the season, Kath, most under-pressure man in the mm. competition. After seven rounds, they've had the trickiest draw of any team in the comp. They're 5-2. and two. So if they are silly enough to dump Ken Hinckley, I reckon, at the end of this season, he'd be snapped up pretty quickly. Because right now, he's not the most under-pressure man in the team, in the competition, He's one of the coaches of the season to start. So and, it's a huge tick for him. And coaching for the future, you see him on the bench this season and what he's doing with his young midfield. I asked him about it pre-game last night and, you know, why it is that he's gone from the box to the bench. And he, he said exactly that. It's to give the guys like Horn Francis and, and Butters and Rosie just a bit more guidance and, and to calm them down when they come off, you know, to, to not make them panic or, or think yep. that the opposition's getting away from them, just to calm them down, set them out again. And, well, and we've seen how... People always been with Jason Horn Francis. Yeah, in well, that, that's important what Ken Hinkley's doing because you're right, he's not afraid to pick some kids. He's playing some younger players. He's giving more responsibility to the younger group. So he's also coaching for the future while they're getting wins at the moment. So, yeah, he's doing a, a really good job as coach. Big story is Jason Horn Francis. He was outstanding last night again. So tough yep. in the clearances. Jeez, I'd jump out of his way quickly if I saw him come on my he's way a bull. On, on a footy field. Uh, Joey, um, inexplicably, and I'm finding this really frustrating and embarrassing, to be honest, that he continues to be booed. Mm. Right, I get it when he's playing North Melbourne in a fortnight's time. That'll be a big story. Yeah, and the Kangaroos it. fans will boo him. That's okay. But why Carlton St Kilda Western Bulldogs fans boo him, I don't get it. He's not a villain in the football field. He's a 19-year-old kid, and it's too much. And Ross Lyons said so, as uh, said as much after the game. People were doing a mob that they wouldn't do as individuals, so maybe just check yourself and don't do that. There's a lot of mental stress on players. If you're doing it to put him off his game, which I make an assumption you are, well, clearly doesn't work, which is good for the kid. <laughs> so maybe don't boo him. And then, you know, I watched Dave Chappelle last night and spoke about people punching down on people. Let's not punch down on a 19-year-old. Loved that from Ross Lyon. I'm torn here, though, with do we talk about it in the media? Because it seems as if if everyone's talking about it, there are fans out there who jump on board and want to get involved and start booing him for no reason, which is clearly happening. Because why would Saints fans boo him? Any well, that's, that was it. Being in the crowd last night, and I must admit, it's only, it was only a section of Saints supporter. You don't say it was everyone because in our mm. area, there were a lot of people actually saying, why are they booing? And yeah. there's actually someone yelled out, stop booing. Like So it's just sort of some spasmodic fans, but I don't understand why either. But what, that's, yeah. what are they booing for? Totally understand when he plays North yeah, Melbourne. Right. Or I would understand even if he was perhaps a bit of a polarising character and like, I don't know, like a Tommy Papley who's a bit cheeky and, and you mm. know, gives it to the crowd or whatever, but he doesn't even do that. No. And so I'm just torn. Do we talk about it as media? Because is it just going to fuel the fire and make more people boo him? Or do we not talk about it so that hopefully it just dies away? Because I totally agree with people like Ross Lyon and Ken Hinckley. Just stop. Well, no, I think we have to call it out because I remember covering the Adam Good story um, a few years ago now that's what was said at the time. Don't talk about it because it'll just go away. It actually got worse. And then the AFL says, well, at the time we should have called it out. Yeah, okay. So I think if there's something like this, you've got to call it out. And I just don't want this kid, Joey, to get to the point where he doesn't want to play footy anymore or he becomes anxious about it or it affects him seriously. Like he's a he's a teenager still, yeah. right? And, yes, he walked out in the football club, but I think we moved past it. But if you did boo last well, night. Well, let's do this. I want to find out why. So if someone is listening that booed last night. Or I'll, in the other games. Or in the other games. Where can he, you ring us up, one triple three five three, and just let us know why you are booing him? Because there's all different toys. Is it indirectly at Kane Corns? Is yeah. it because he changed clubs, even though it's got nothing to do with St Kilda or Bulldogs? Because I, I don't mind fans booing or, when it's relevant. That makes good yes. theatre. It's, yeah, it's, it's great. That's, against that's yeah. a game. And yeah. I, I agree. I would like love someone people, to call us up and let us know boo, why you booed Jason Horn francis yes. keep it I'm clean. fascinated. Please keep it clean if you are. Well, yeah. right. Give, give yes. us a call. One triple yep. three five three. 
Uh, what about the fallout from last night? Any injuries? We've got um, Xavier, Dersma. Xavier Dersma. So the fear is the posterior cruciate ligament in him. So his left knee collided into Rowan Marshall's rib cage. He was wearing a brace. Ken Hinkley said after the game they fear it's a posterior. It can be months out. So worst case scenario, good end his season. We hope that's not the case. Hopefully he's back um in a month or two. But uh, Xavier Dersman, who's had a shocking run over the past two years, another unfortunate blow. Uh, you really feel for him. Trev on the line from Beveridge, who is a North Melbourne supporter. So, g'day, Trev. What's your take? G'day, g'day. It's, look, it's, I'll let you off. It's Trev. It is Trev, is it? Yeah. Sure, sure your name gets changed a million times. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, Trev. Um, no, that's all good, mate. Uh, look, I think a lot of people... One, one main reason is... Um, the media, it's it's constantly in the media. Yeah. And it's like the whole Adam Good thing, right? If if no one spoke about it, I guarantee it wouldn't have had the impact that it had for Goodsy. Different scenario, of course, but I'm sure you get what I'm trying to say. So the fact that people talk about it all the time, um, and if you're an opposition player, or you, if you think it's going to get in his head, uh, opposition, sorry, supporter, well, you're going to do it. Um, I don't think there's malice behind it. I think they're just trying to put him off. Yeah, I get that. I get that. But I suppose that was my point. I was chatting to you guys. Then why don't people boo Connor Rosie? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, boo. So th- there is an element of it's got to do with this kid in particular. But uh, thank you for that, Trav. One more caller. Merv was there last night. Merv, you, would you do boo or did you hear some booing? No, I'm an actual St Kilda member and I was sitting right within the cheer squad and there was a couple of St Kilda supporters booing. Yep. And I actually, my son had to pull me back because I would have punched the living. Uh, Daylights out of the guy. You didn't like it? Did you ask why? Did you try and get an I, idea I why did. they booed? I did. I yeah. actually said to him, I, I'm a member and I've been a member for about 18 odd years, right? And I turned around and I said, look, for God's sake, the guy has nothing to do with our club at all. Yep. And it lowers the standard of what we, we as a club are trying to build. A good culture. Yeah, spot on, Merv. Well that's why there was frustration at the ground because it was only a small section of Saints fans, but it has tarred sort of, I suppose, the Saints supporters have been painted with that brush. But anyway, it is interesting, but we'll move on because there is an element, no doubt, the more that gets spoken about in the media, I think that's why people jump on board. You reckon? Well, of course I, it is. Well, I, why are they booing Horn Francis and not anyone else, Jake? Because it's – we're yeah. saying in the media, we're saying stop booing. Yes, but yeah, we're talking but about it. But we're talking it. about it. And forget, that's to my point earlier of, yeah. of do you talk about it so that you try yeah. to stop the booing or you just well, don't talk about with, it so you don't add any fuel to the fire? History would suggest that not talking about it didn't stop the booing of Adam Goods. Yeah. The good thing is, though, and now that conversations suggest... like today is happening, yeah. is Merv's calling in and saying that, yeah, he, yeah. he asked some fans, like, why are you booing? Yeah. And so that's probably a thing to take out of it is if you're at the ground and – Okay, fair enough, it's North Melbourne because there's history there. There's a yep. reason to boo. That's fine. But if it's St Kilda or but, Essendon or whatever, you can just turn his, to the fans yeah. and say, why are you booing? But history also says to me, Jay-Z, the more you tell people not to do something, the more they're <laughs> going to push back yep. and do it. So there's there's two contrasting views. Hey, it's Any a historic day in the AFL because Prime Minister Anthony Albanese this morning has committed $240 million to the funding of a stadium in Macquarie Point in Hobart, which paves the way, Jay-Z, for yes. a 19th. AFL license to be granted to Tassie. What an exciting day. And I reckon that um, the Tasmanian team will have a bit of support across like uh, across the whole competition. From an average footy fan, I don't know how you um, feel, Joey, but I'm, I'm happy for the Tassie crew. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I hope they can really develop in their own local um, talent. And that's been something which Gold Coast and GWS probably hasn't been able to do yet, get those superstar players, those leaders of their football club from their own areas. And that's where they've had some retention battles. So I, I hope they'll get, they, they develop some star Tasmanian um, talents. And we've seen with the success of the Jack Jumpers down there in the NBL, it's an exciting team. I think they're going to face some challenges. James Sicily probably put his foot in it this week <laughs> saying that no one would uh, go down there. But do you, what do you think? Is it, is it in the prime of your career, would it have been something that would have interested you? You know, because that, that's got to be the key question. Will a star of the competition who gets to play at the MCG every week, would he be attracted to the prospect of yeah. playing for the Tasmanian team or will they be too, will they be very reliant on their own local talent? No, I still think there would be a portion of people, players that would that would still love to go and play because it's going to be about the culture of the footy club yeah. and what you build there. I mean, it's interesting when we talk about retention in regards to what, oh, because there's not enough nightlife for players. Look, yeah. we're talking about professional athletes. Yeah, yeah, we seem to base it on, oh, well, are they going to be able to do things at night and what are they going to do, you know, to fill their time? So, yeah. Look, they've got to get it right with how they build that club and yep. what it looks like. And I think they can learn a lot from the Gold Coast and the Giants, learn mm-hmm. that what worked, what didn't. 
Um, I would love to see whenever it looks like that whole list strategy that it's not just kids. I think they should be able to target um, ready-made players so that they are more competitive straight away because winning and, and all that is very important to, to building a culture, and that's what's helped the jack jumpers yep. winning. But the culture stuff from the club is going to be huge. The main key ingredient, though, when you compare it to the Gold Coast Suns, Tassie is a footy state. It's footy state. So if you love your footy, why well, yep. wouldn't you yep. play in Tassie? It's different to the Gold Coast where I can understand Very you different. have to flick the page nine yep. to see some footy news. If you love your footy, go and play in Tassie. And, and that's where the Rodney Eads, the Matthew Richardsons, the Rewalts will be able to support that and provide some real clout. I think in the list management build and rules, uh, Tasmania will get all these high draft picks, but as part of the concessions, them away. they will have to trade yeah, them. And that will keep the draft picks in the system spinning around the other clubs and being able to like give it. the Tasmanian team um, some of that top-line established talent. Let's have a listen to the Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese Leroy, who made the very exciting announcement that they would commit the $240 million to launch this Tasmanian team. When Tasmania hopefully has its own AFL team, as it should, that will produce as well ongoing jobs as well as uh, lifting up the sights of young Tasmanians who will aspire uh, to play uh, for Tasmania in the Australian Football League. It's not an Australian Football League if it leaves off the South Island. And that's what's occurred for too long, in spite of the fact that some of the greatest players, like Peter Hudson, of course, were developed uh, here in Tasmania. It's not the Australian Football League if you've left off the South Island. I love that. From it's a the good line, stuff. isn't it? And yep. well done to the AFL, because when they considered this project a year or so ago, 18 months, maybe two years ago, they thought it was a 1,001. So they've done a great job. And Gil McLaughlin, who's uh, clearly hand-passing the CEO job onwards to Andrew Dillon, what a legacy act. So um, hats off to him. Might chat about the CEO yep. uh, situation a little later on. But firstly... Uh, Scott Pendlebury's, this is a massive game on Sunday. Yes. The Adelaide Crows hosting Collingwood, and he's not playing. Oh, Captain Feathersword, old mate. He's got a patch <laughs> on his eye at the moment. I think he had a few stitches last night, so he's going to be missing against the Adelaide Crows in that big game. Tomorrow had a sensational start to the season. Thought about voting. He was good over the Anzac Day game. He was in the vote discussion there I for want to chat bit. to you about the voting, because you were one of the voters for yes. the Anzac Day medal, and I've heard your sphincter tightened up. You got quite <laughs> nervous about where to vote. You're right. <laughs> luckily, luckily. You took a Nick Dacos uh, special last quarter. I want to ask you about that a bit later. Yes. Speaking of Nick Dacos, that is one of the storylines mm. heading into Sunday's game. What the Adelaide Crows are going to do uh, with him. And I've got a little special guest for this topic who's oh. going to join us next. This is Triple M's Dead Set Legends, Joey J, Kath and Limo. Joey J, Kath, Limo. The Dead Set Legends on Melbourne's 105.1 Triple M. Sport is full of legends, and so is this show. Joey Montagna, Jay Clark, Kath Lochnan, and Limo. Triple M's Dead Set Legends. Got to say, the biggest topic of the week in terms of footy and previewing the weekend is what to do about Nick Tate. Nick Dacos. Nick Dacos. <laughs> I was about to say tag and Dacos at the same time. And I thought, oh, we've got to ask Jay-Z, we've got to ask Joey about yes. this. He's the footy expert. And I thought, no, we need someone with a little bit more cred yes. in this area. <laughs> Who did, would you? I did some tagging. Oh, right. <laughs> you Who didn't would see you your... think? I, I, you'd have to go to Ryan Crowley, wouldn't you? <laughs> no. Boring, boring chat. Boring. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. So I'm going straight to Stephen Baker, and he joins us on Deadset Legends. Thanks so much for your time. How's that for an introduction? That was bloody beautiful. Thanks, boys. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> what do you make of this whole Nick Dacos um, attention? And and do you think? Oh, gee, I wouldn't mind having a crack on on the kid. Yeah, well, I was watching it with a few lads, and I just said, I can't believe they're not tagging mm. him because I think he's a game changer. And I think if he had a t- had a tag on him and got some little uh, little psycho on him like like myself used to be, <laughs> um, I think uh, you know Essendon would have won the game. But um, so yeah, I made the comment on the day. I think I can't believe they're not tagging. It was weird that I've got a few phone calls about the <laughs> about the topics. So uh, yeah, I find it very surprising that they uh, not. Put more work into him. But do you think you can? You would be able to stop him, Bakes? Because when we're watching him, first of all, the position he plays makes it very difficult. And how much agility he's got and speed and all the, the attributes, do you, do you actually think you could nullify his influence or that teams and players could? Well, I, I think it's better to have someone on him and having, having a crack rather than sort of letting him run rampant. But, um, what really, would you do? 
Well, I mean, you told me yesterday not to say what I really, really. <laughs> yeah, did. I said leave out the violence. I said leave out the violence and just talk about it from a tactical point of view. What you would do? You yeah, said so this show's a little bit PG. So, what, no, well, well, a few, uh, a few of the tactics I used to do, like I, I used to have in my head that as soon as there's a turnover, let's say they're in their back, in their back line, and we've got the ball, I would just go straight to him, even if it was a 50 metres off the ball, and try not to let him pass my line. So I wouldn't let him get to the stoppage. So obviously he does a lot of his damage at the stoppage. So I would be like a rugby player, just wouldn't let him cross my line. You give away the you know, free kick once in 50, but it's worth it because he doesn't get to a lot of stoppages. Um, and then it's always a little little niggle just when the ball's up. So it's about timing. Like Nick's got such beautiful timing, runs onto the ball beautifully. So it's just that little whack in the sternum or a little stand on the foot just to get that timing off just a split second with these these gun players they're just so fluent they get through and they're so clean with the ball so that little one you know split second little whack off the ball so um and i've mentioned before um you know, pushing them into congestion you know i used to pick players like lenny hayes and aaron hamill at a stoppage and i'd, I'd try and push my opponent so if i was on nick i'd be behind his back and I'd push him towards, you know, a psycho like Aaron Hamill. And you I'd didn't know... push them in my direction. <laughs> <laughs> you jump out of the way. <laughs> so so yeah. what I'm gathering is there is actually a little bit of violence involved here. Oh, yeah, violence at time. You know, it's timed, timed aggression. Obviously, yeah. the, you know, you know I, I try to stay away from punching people in the face uh, uh, most <laughs> most of the time but I you know got caught a couple of times but you know, a little wax in the elbow I've never seen someone reported for getting you know someone punching in the elbows putting them off their game basically distracting <laughs> yes, them yes that was it Joe it's not about violence yeah. it was about uh, <laughs> distracting techni- techniques distraction tactics so all mental have you ever considered UFC bakes because I got a feeling you'd be good at it <laughs> you actually did you did try didn't yeah. you I actually trained for uh, about a year doing jiu-jitsu and training one-on-one with an MMA coach and Planned to have a planned to have a fight in about six twelve months, and then I uh, hurt my knee playing at Sorrento. Troy Swartz dragged me down there for a season, and hurt my knee just before the the last game, the grand final, and then the, we got flogged in the grand final anyway. So sort of a, regretted playing that last year with a hacked up body. Cause I always wanted to have a bit of a whack on in the ring, but um, I've had the hip I've had the hip replacement since couple of three or four operations, and now I'm ready to rock. So I was just talking about getting back into the. Uh, fighting recently with old Jackson Moore. He was keen to get into some jiu-jitsu. So, yeah, might, might have a crack. The old uh, the old rig's got one more crack in it. Steer <laughs> <Sure. laughs> clear of uh, Stephen Baker, of course. St Kilda, great. And, mate, yeah, we're talking a lot about Ross Lyon. What have you made of the change? I mean, seven rounds in. Feels like a um, a new footy club, really. You must be impressed by your old mate weaving his magic, his coaching magic uh, down there at Moorabbin once again. Yeah, I remember the start of the year talking to us with the, a few of the old heads, and I was – Personally, saying, "Oh, she's got a few, uh, few out. I don't think we've got much of a chance." And mm. yeah, just the vibe was uh, pretty low. And yeah, it's just been um, amazing to watch. I just love watching the pressure. Um, obviously, we lost in the loss last night, but they were still getting to the ball. Um, at Port were just bloody too, too good. So I've just been watching the the gut running and getting getting numbers around the ball and tackling and. I think, you know, Ross, uh, Ross sort of demands um, you just put in 100% effort. Like, I don't think you'd be too upset with the boys' efforts uh, last, last night, but um, yeah, a few little things to work on. Bakes, you mentioned you had the hip replaced, your body's feeling good, you've turned into a bit of a fitness freak in the last sort of six <laughs> to 12 months. Tell us about tomorrow, run the 10. Yeah, well, obviously, I lost a good mate with Warney last year and I had a bit of a down year and I sort of used fitness to snap out of it. I saw Jackson Warren, he used it as you know, fuel to get fitter, healthier, happier. Um, I just sort of realised there's a lot of people struggling with mental health out there. Um, then I saw Warney had been supporting that cause for the last for the last couple of years. So, um, you know, got contacted the guys and put you know, put the hand up. So we're running around the ten. I think it's eight a.m. on Sunday. So, I've uh, I've got the tag uh, where you can register at my Instagram, Stephen Baker ten at Stephen Baker ten. So we'd love as many people to come down support the cause. Brings in many you know, mental health charities, Lifeline, Are You Okay Day. Um, and it just brings all the charities together. So it's a great support. There's some, going to be some great people down there, and it's going to be a fun day. So we'd love to see you tomorrow morning. Good on you. Your old mate, Audie, would be very proud. Just one more. How fast do you think you can go around oh, the town? I, I can't remember. I, 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 we had a media um, catch-up a couple of days ago, and I was just driving down that uh, gave me gave me shivers thinking about those. Uh, <laughs> Anderson Street that's, Hill. That's, that's, that's what that's. That's where Joey here, he excelled at things like that. I, was, yeah, <laughs> I, didn't like, I didn't like those days. But I remember doing a 3K, I think it was 10 and a half minutes. I think the, I think the tan's a little bit longer. But um, I'm just going to yeah, take on a few of the other, uh, the other X uh, hats and yeah, have a crack. <laughs> 
lay it, lay it all out there and fall over the line, and uh, then I could break. The, then I have a crack at breaking that time the following year. Good on you. Hey, good luck for it, and thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Hey, I've heard that Joey will be a judge uh, for tomorrow's best on ground between Essendon and Geelong. Is that true? Yeah, they're playing for the Tom Wills medal, which is uh, Tom Wills invented the game of AFL. So they've got a, what's I got asked and uh, my first crack at voting. And Jay-Z, I know coming off the back of you having to vote for the well, Anzac Day He's a bit medal. of a veteran in this oh, space. Have, have, you done a Norm, have you done a Norm Smith? Yes, but I can't. I don't like to talk about it. I Did you? Which year was that? Can we talk about it another time? Why? 2016. Why are you so shady about oh, it? That's the Bulldogs. It? Bulldogs Swans. Yeah. Who'd so, you go? Well, I gave my three votes. Um, you and Duck saw things differently, didn't you? Yeah, we did. Oh, I gave my three votes to Josh Kennedy, who was in the losing team. Ooh. So you can understand my panic um, early in the last quarter. Of he kicked the... three and had 30, didn't he, Josh Kennedy, in that grand final? Yes. Yeah. I thought he was the best player. Yeah. But, but then he was on the losing team. He was on the losing team. And, like, it was just a really unpopular vote, it's fair to say, at the time. So I ended up in the fetal position after that. Um, so did you have any similar thoughts I... coming into Anzac Day? Because at three-quarter time, Essendon are four goals up. But Collingwood had the three or four best players on the ground. I mean, Jordan Degoe was dominating. I thought Darcy Moore's game was huge. Steel sidebottom. Steel sidebottom was playing well. And, obviously, Nick Dacos was in consideration. So were you sort of... Obviously, having the memories of the 2016 <laughs> thing, and how am I going to vote the Anzac Day medal if Essendon win by four goals and it's all Collingwood players, what am I going to do? My heart was racing. It was fair to say, Zoe. I thought I'd been here before. It was a deja vu. I did think that Collingwood had the four or five they best did. players on yep. the ground. And then... But do you think there's an underlying rule that the three votes has to go to a winning team to. player? It doesn't no, have no, to. No, no, it doesn't have to, but you know that... Yep. There's going to be serious well, questions that's right. if that's... you go a player on the losing team. In 2016, I still thought you could, but then I worked out from the feedback afterwards that the public, the people, um, want a player from the winning team regardless. So I'm looking at an even bunch of bombers at that point. I thought Langford had been very good, mm. Andrew McGrath. Redman you know, okay. Redman was yeah. around the mark, but I was really scratching <laughs> around, Joey. And that was that was oh. just to their credit. It was just an even team performance yeah. at that point. So thank God Nick Dacos. The little champ. Oh, the yeah. little champ. You out. He kicked those two oh, goals. You would have been breathing a sigh of relief. Did I breathe oh, that, a sigh of relief. So. Because good. you can plead your case as hard as you like and say, yeah, but in that case, Josh Kennedy yeah. had three and 30 30. disposals, yeah. but then people would just go back at you with, but he didn't win. They didn't win. They didn't win. Yeah, he wasn't the influential <laughs> but person. But there is none of that. That doesn't need to be winning in the votes at all. Brownlow Medal these days this... are giving more three votes to losing players, I've noticed. So you, you can still be the best player on the ground in a losing team, but yeah. you're right. I don't have the public take There's it too well, particularly the supporters. Yeah. Yeah, Never been happy to see Nick Dacos kick the players <laughs> <to> <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. But it was yeah. a, a great game. So what are you thinking, uh, Joey? Could you Would you be happy enough to give the three votes to a um... – uh, If it's a close game, yeah. but if there's a clear standout – and even if they've lost, I would still be prepared to yep. give three to a player in a losing team yeah, and cop the heat. Yep. If you can back yep. it up with some you know, yep. evidence, then you should be fine. Yeah. Yep. I did think that I had – I didn't go through all the messages, but I did cop a few about, you know, whether I'd, I'd already inked in the three votes. Pet Scott, Pendle, there was a lot of time. When, <laughs> people, he said, when people knew you were voting, there were people going to back Pendlebury to win the Anzac Day medal. And I'll be honest, and he loves his show. At the start of the game, I thought, mm, if you could just have a quarter. You already won three of these medals before. I thought, if you could do me a favour and just have a bit of a quiet one today. And then he starts absolutely on fire at halftime. I'm thinking he's right up this and the neck. But I've just got one bit of advice for yes, you. Yes, what's your bit of um, yep. Just be careful, yep. right, when you write down the names on the sheet of paper. So you get a sheet of paper, the yep. Tom Wheels medal, three, two, one. Now make sure you don't stuff up the writing of the names because Lee Matthews, remember in the 2020 grand final when Richmond um, won the Lee, premiership. Going after Lee Matthews? And Dustin Martin won the Norm Smith. He stuffed up the writing and instead of putting Jaden Short two votes, he wrote Nathan Broad two votes. I think he had eight possessions and two marks or something <laughs> like that, Brody. I think we've got the audio. This is Lee Matthews apologising for his uh, clerical error. Don't do this, Joey. All I can say is that's the worst mistake that's ever been to happen because if I put down the name Broad instead of the name Short when I was being hustled at the end of the game, I'm glad Broad did not win it or Short missed out by a couple of votes. But I'm sure everyone gave Martin best on the ground. Yeah, that was so yeah. obvious. So I guess the twos and ones don't matter that much. But if I put Broad down, that was a very big mistake on my mm. part. It was <laughs> definitely Short yeah. two yeah. and Edwards one. 
Greatest player of all time. Good advice. Not the greatest vote giver of all time. <laughs> we love you, mate. He could be an AFL commissioner soon, and that would be a uh, great choice. So good luck, Joey. Thank you. Uh, if you need any feedback, uh, just ask me. I'll be happy to. We'll yeah, chat the commission and CEO a little later on in the show. Rusty's Motorsport Update. Bendix Brakes. Put your foot down with confidence. We love chatting to Rusty. Of course, you can listen to Rusty's Garage Podcasts for free on the Listener app. Good morning, Rusty. Great to chat. The supercars, they're in Perth. They're in my hometown for round three. David Reynolds was fastest in practice. Was the champion having a bit of a struggle, though? Uh, yes, it looked as though he was sort of, you know, frustratingly trying to deal with a, a gear shift issue and maybe a brake bias problem of some kind. So he ended up outside the top 10. You know what that team are like. They will get on top of that. So as you rightly point out, some very positive stuff for David Reynolds to open the account there in the West. And then Brody Kostecki, who leads the championship in points terms, he was third fastest. So that's a great little track, that cap, as you probably know, and we should we should get some fantastic racing there this weekend. While we're chatting supercars, Rusty, I heard Shane Van Gisbergen might be driving a NASCAR. Been a bit of chatter? A bit of chatter. Um, I'm trying to... I mean, I haven't spoken to Shane personally about this as yet, so I'm trying to get to the bottom of how much truth there is in it. I mean, you guys know, when he goes off and does... Uh, a bit of rallying or sprint car or, you know, whatever it might be, speedway, and it fills his cup that way. He's very, very good as a you know, a driver that can show great diversity behind the wheel. So supercars is his focus. There's no doubt about that. After what happened at round one, I don't think I've ever seen him so uh, determined to kind of prove a point and get on top of those cars and win that championship. But if the calendar um, were to provide some openings, and it's it's a big if here, um, and, you know, if it was on, say, road courses rather than the ovals, I reckon he would beat Dynamite in one of those things. He'd be really good. And, Rusty, the F1, thank goodness, is back in action this weekend. <laughs> Feels like it's been a long break. We're in Azerbaijan. Azerbaijan? Azerbaijan. Can you say it, Gav? <laughs> Azerbaijan. That one. Uh, and Brighton's own Oscar Piastri. Looked like he's kept the Melbourne form going, qualifying overnight. Was he top 10? The Ferrari's on top early. Yep, so the upgrades for the McLaren seem positive because Lando Norris was in the top 10 as well. So um, a bit of a different format here this weekend with the, the sprint race. But for both um, the McLarens to be in that final part was very positive. Charles Leclerc on top. A few rumours around this week that his name has been linked at Mercedes-Benz. But uh, Lewis Hamilton saying he's not worried about that. And most, I think, feel as though Mercedes would re-sign Lewis. So, yeah, Charles on top there in uh, in qualifying from uh, from Max Verstappen. Hey, Rusty, always appreciate your time. We'll chat next week. Look forward to it. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Rusty's Motorsport Update. Bendix Brakes. Put your foot down with confidence. Love Rusty, good man. Hey, nice day in Melbourne today. Top of 15, Kat. So so crisp, but sunny at least. And this and this comes back to my point about Joey. autumn, Joey, being the number one season. Because, hey, Anzac Day, how was it? Absolutely. I'm with you. Top, it was 25 degrees. Beautiful day. Magnificent, consistent. It's just solid. Yeah, it's great. Everyone's losing their tan, looking pasty because we're going to cold months. It's great. Love it. Love the top of 15. <laughs> this is Triple M's Dead Selections. <laughs> Joey, Jay, Kath, Limo. The Dead Set Legends on Melbourne's 105.1 Triple M. Sport is full of legends. And so is this show. Joey Montagna, Jay Clark, Kath Lochnan and Limo. Triple M's Dead Set Legends. Just repeating that news out of Tasmania, the Prime Minister has uh, announced that the funding for a new stadium in Hobart, so the AFL has now confirmed it will formally go to the 18 clubs for a verdict on Tasmania to be granted the 19th licence. So exciting day yep. and such a great day for all uh, Tasmanians. Certainly is, but it's, it's a certainty from here. There's no way that the AFL would have gone through an 18-month <laughs> process, getting the funding from the federal government only for Jeff Brown to go, nah. Can I ask, can I ask you a little yes. hypothetical? Go well, everyone's talking then the logical step is a 20th team. Do you think we are more likely to have a 20th team once you, once Tasmania come in or go back to an 18th team? That is a very good question. Oh, pick one. Yeah, my <laughs> my, yeah, my info one. is that the AFL isn't ready or doesn't want a 20th team at, at this stage. So 
Um, look, I'm I'm nervous for the Gold Coast Footy Club, and I think the Giants have got work to do. They've talked about the you know needing to develop the game in Sydney. So, look, I don't want to be a real curmudgeon, um, but I think a 20th team is a long way off. Like, I don't think yeah. that's happening in the next 15 years, right. if you know what I mean. Yeah. So maybe we'll eventually get to 20, but um, no time soon. Hey, speaking of curly questions or very difficult questions, Joey, um, I think the Rising Star Race is really heating up. Harry Sheasel, the North Melbourne playmaker, is a favourite ahead of Brisbane's Will Ashcroft and St Kilda Hardnut Mitch Owens, who's been unbelievable, is the third favourite. If you had to pick one, who do you think, if you could time capsule it, will win this year's Rising Star? The playmaker of halfback for North Melbourne, Harry Sheasel, the uh, blonde ball winner for Brisbane, um, Marcus Ashcroft, who started the season favourite. Will, Will Ashcroft. Will, yep, yep. Sorry, Marcus <laughs> Ashcroft. Son, yeah. off. Oh, I'm losing it. Or Mitch Owens, who's been doing incredible things in that St Kilda forward Good line. Good shout to throw Mitch Owens in there because that, if you look at the ratings, Mitch Owens is the rated the second best key forward in the competition yeah. behind Jeremy Cameron. Is he? Well, second well, rated, second highest rated key, key forward. The guru from champion data, Daniel Hoyne. Is back is backing Mitch Owens. Yeah, because he went on the ratings, and he's yep. the highest rated out of all those three at the moment. Again, he kicked two goals and had fifteen, and most of them contested last night. But he's a bit more unfashionable. I think the voters will go towards Sheasel or Ashcroft, and I think Sheasel, if he continues his the form that he's in, I think Sheasel will win the Rising Star. Yeah, Very good, good one, Joe. Who do you think, Kath? Are you um. Hmm. You need some thinking yeah, time. Don't think for too long. I was going to. I was going to. Putting some thought into it. I know you are. It doesn't make great radio. But <laughs> maybe we'll get to it at, by the end of the show. Kath needs some thinking time. Yeah, of course, I, Jay. I need, I need a whole song to think about yeah. it. Triple M's Dead Set Legends. Now, Jay Z. Yes. Obviously, we've got the Tasmania announcement yep. uh, taking place this morning in regards to the Anthony Albanese funding. Mm-hmm. Then, obviously, you'd imagine um, the AFL. We'll, we'll now take charge and make their announcements. When is the CEO announcement going to take yes, place? Yes, well, it uh, should be really be in the next couple of weeks. Over the next uh, fortnight, there has been some rumours about uh, Gil McLaughlin staying on. And I think um, a few months ago, there was a dangling of a carrot to try and see if he was interested. But um, they're saying that he will pass that baton on. And we saw Gil McLaughlin and Andrew Dillon mm. both at the footy last night, waxing lyrical about um, goodness knows what. So Andrew Dillon, really capable uh, man, has a, a huge level of respect from all the clubs and a lot of people inside footy. So he's certainly, it's been a popular decision. And, and I, I don't think there'll be, uh, do people actually care, Joey? And this is the thing. Like, we talk about this all the time, the Andrew um, Dillon and Gil McLaughlin says. We talk with endless column inches. Does the average footy fan care? Well, not specifically who it is, as long as the game's in great shape and it's good footy. And, and it and, is, and, right? And that's right. Yep. So it should just be a seamless transition, really, and mm-hmm. continuing on the good work that a lot of people have done to get the game to where it's at. But there are still challenges uh, ahead for the competition. You've always got to be looking forward. So the, the new commission and the new CEO make sh- need to make sure they're on top of it. And the Tassie... Getting that right and what that looks like is going to be a huge factor. When will some new commissioners be announced, do you think? Well, that's been a, a, uh, a point of frustration, too, also for the clubs. Um, that should be happening uh, right now, to be honest. There have been decisions that have dragged on, and clearly the AFL is looking at bringing in some football expertise and acumen. So mm. the names have been mentioned, and it makes a lot of sense. You know, Lee Matthews, Matthew Pavlich, highly respected, Joel Selwood, someone like that. I think um, the commission could do with that that injection of football acumen and that sort of makes a lot of sense. And there has been, you know, to be quite serious about it, Richard Gord is the chairman um, of the AFL. You speak to clubs, they are a bit frustrated around some of the decision-making and delays around this. So, um, yeah, that's that's sort of been bubbling away at the surface. And Robbo has wrote about Benny Gale and some really quite pointed comments there from the president, um, Peggy O'Neill, to say, why is the AFL ignoring... Brennan Gale here. I mean, he's clearly been an extraordinarily successful club administrator. Is the does the AFL not want the person from outside? Do they not want? Probably um, feels that way, doesn't it? Yeah, it is interesting. Which, but the which AFL confuses a lot of people because someone from Clubland offers such great perspective and yeah, and intel from what it's like. But if you're paying recruitment companies to do the research, that's not they're not going to they're not going to discriminate, are they? And only go to inside the AFL house. Mm, no, but they're not making the call, though, They're not they? making the call. Yeah. They're making some recommendations. Would Brennan Gale be perfect for the Tassie Yeah, up? He would be the, the best administrator to get that whole club going. Or what know. about to run the football department like Steve Hocking did? However, he, he would be very good at that. Yeah. Hey, speaking of outsiders coming in, saw Harry Mackay 
belly a snap. He's been sticking with these snaps, these long-distance snaps for Carlton. And Michael Voss said their four-and-a-half execution is what's letting the Blues down. We know Steve, our great mate on Sunday, Steve Johnson, probably the best snapper of the football we've seen in modern times. Would, could Harry Mackay do any worse than get Steve Johnson to come down and talk about snapping and check-siding and J-curving the ball? No, I don't think he needs any outside help. Oh, he's snapped the ball beautifully in the past. He, he's he's a guy at the moment that is um, down on confidence and has no belief in his goal-kicking routine and set shots. So it's as much mental as it is, as it is technique. I'm sure at training he's nailing them all and doing all those things. So I think he just needs to go back to the drawing board and have a strong plan, strong belief, and mentality around his goal-kicking to get his confidence back because he's actually still playing really good footy. I mean, everyone's talking about Harry Mackay. He took 14 marks against St Kilda, Mm. six of them contested, Mm. maybe for a little while just to help him. I would play him as a bit more of the traditional centre-half forward and play him higher up the ground. The Dukes. So that him and Charlie Curnow don't get in the way. Curnow is hard to beat one-on-one. I'd play Curnow deep, Harry Mackay higher, and let him get his field kicking as his strength at the moment until he gets that confidence Back in his goal kicking. Speaking of lacking confidence, uh, I did go to the Anzac Day Eve game, Richmond versus Melbourne. Entertaining game, and you called it beautifully with Kate McCarthy and Triple M. What not jumped out to me is Steve May, mm. who has been the All-Australian fullback two years running, been a bit out of form, looks to be losing a lot more one-on-one contests. Um, what have you made of that? Because Jake Lever... Um, is an important piece of that back line it's, as well. But Steve May not having the same start to no, Really well noticed, uh, Jay-Z. I had a look at some numbers, actually, because I, I saw the same thing. And out of the top 50 defenders to have been in one-on-one, Stephen May ranks 46th out of the top 50. Whoa. He's normally the best in the competition. Yes. Mm. So he's getting beaten in one-on-one contests. He's a bit down on form. Um, I think it's a positive because Melbourne is still winning, mm. and I think he's their most important player. But I've also got a lot of faith that he will find his best footy. So just one to watch. They do have the Kangaroos, so... Hopefully he can find a bit of form against them. Josh Shackey has come into that team. Their forward mix is fascinating. Uh, Jacob is, Van Royen, after a slowish start to this, uh, the game the other week, caught fire late. Ben Brown, I think, still in the two. So it's going to be interesting to see what Simon Goodwin does there. I like it. He's still flirting with what their best forward mix will look like. So they're playing the long game while they're winning. He's looking ahead to, okay, what does our forward mix look like come finals time? I'm going to keep mixing and matching until we find the best combo. Keep everyone on edge. Competition for spots. Good problem to have. Yep. Gents, we have to talk about Carlton. Oh, what was that? You gave me the little two guns kind of emoji. You're up and about this morning. I'm excited. You. But let's talk about the Blues. So big game tonight over in Perth against the West Coast Eagles. And there just seems to be just a little bit of pressure on the Blues at the moment because they're not moving the ball very well. And they've got such a talented lineup, Joey. What are your What's your assessment of the Blues at the moment and where they're at? Yeah, they, they are um... – a bit scratchy at the moment. I think when you look at last year, their, their greatest strength was their clearance and contest work and their ability to score from clearance. So they'd win yep. the ball, that flick around with handball, led by Cripps and the others, and that was their scoring strength. Now, that's dried up. Mm. So when that part of your game is gone and teams have gone to work about trying to pressure Carlton around the clearance game more, you need other facets. And their ball movement is a, a concern, isn't it, Jay-Z? Yep. Because they don't seem to move um, with as much fluid ball movement as some of these top teams in the competition. And when you've got the two spearheads up in the forward line, I'm not, it's interesting why they're not moving the ball a bit quicker and a bit more direct. You want to maximise your strengths, don't you? And more than anything, Harry Mackay and Charlie Kerner would want to isolate their defenders one-on-one because when you get these big boys one-on-one, that's when they do their damage. So it does my head in, Joe, when I have a look at Carlton. And this can't be their game plan. This can't be what Michael Voss would want his players to be doing. They're going forward the second least in the competition. So that means there's a lot of backwards stuff and a lot of sideways stuff. Corridor use the fifth least in the competition. So you see St Kilda over the first couple of months, when they get it in the high diddle-diddle, they go bang, and they, ma- they maximise those scoring opportunities. We saw it last week against the Saints, and they defended the ground well. But Carlton, really frustrating for their fan base, is just how cautious and controlled they are with their ball use, because when they get opportunities, they've got to go, because that is where their goal-scoring power lies. And I actually did something on... Um I might have been first crack or watch list round one. You're on so many shows, Joe. It is hard to keep track of. I I did something on when you just mentioned that. They snooker themselves. Their first kick is a lateral kick. And they snooker themselves. If you just take one kick sideways, and it's a bit like Fremantle as well, one kick sideways is enough for other teams to defend and make it so much harder. If your first kick is forward, Mm. you then challenge opposition defences and get them out of position and all those sorts of things. So 
it's not a huge adjustment. It's just a slight mindset shift that yep. when you win the ball back, don't just take the easy one sideways first because it's there because that actually holds up the rest of your offense. So it's going to be interesting to see how they uh, how they play against West Coast. And tonight you're so on a fast deck and you think with a depleted West Coast back line, like this is a soft kill for them. So I know it's away, but they've got an opportunity to be able to turn their form around because their draw does about to get difficult. So they need to bank the four points and then come up against some top, tougher opposition. Can I ask you about Jack Silvani? So he's a free agent, Joey, right? Now I think Jack Silvani... If I'm a club out there, I'd be having a look at him. I think he has had a good season, a good start to the season. I think he's a great team man. I think for the opportunity he does get, um, he's been really handy. But not only is he the third banana in the Carlton Ford line, when Tom DeConing in, he's the fourth banana, right? So they go to, um, I think, uh, Harry Mackay's been targeted 38 times inside 50. Charlie Kerno 41 times inside 50. Jack Silvani's third on 15. So there is... Definitely a focus on the other two. How do you rate Jack Silvani? You'd be looking at a pay rise. Can Carlton afford him? I, it wouldn't shock me if he changed clubs at season's end. Really? Yeah. He's Silvani. Really? He's, he bleeds blue. He Is bleeds he? navy blue, I think, yeah. And I think he's an important role player for that Carlton side. I think what he provides where he can pinch it in the ruck, he provides a contest and effort in the forward line. I think he's an important role player for what they already have, I'd be surprised if he left. Well, they can't keep everyone, right? Because they've got Mitch McGovern as well, obviously. He's on a lot of money, but on he could be looking at a reduced deal if they don't get rid of him. And Tom DeConing is a situation as well. Tom DeConing is out of the side. He's a big story at the moment. Isn't the salary cap about to go up a heap with the new CBA? Yes, but they're still, they've got some big uh, name players there on big contracts. Jacob Wiedering uh, lost a bit of money in a banking scam at the moment, so he uh, he gets paid a fair bit. But what, what, what do you think about the uh, move, sorry, Kath, to drop? Um, Tom DeConing. Surprised. Yeah, surprised. Has there been more into it about um, potentially drinking on a six-day break? Was that – there was some talk about that. And I know Carlton are very strict on that policy. Club is adamant it's a form-related issue, but that rumour has been circulated. Yeah, because the week before there was some reports that he was just being rested and he'd be cherry ripe for the game over in Perth. So something's changed in the meantime. They said he was sick. Um, for that one. We need to get a wriggle on because Luke Dowhouse is going to join us next uh, to talk about his great mate, Marcus Bontepelli, who is going to be playing Game 200 this afternoon. This is Triple M's Dead Set Legends. Joey, Jay, Kath, Limo. The Dead Set Legends on Melbourne's 105.1 Triple M. Sport is full of legends, and so is this show. Joey Montagna, Jay Clark, Kath Lochnan, and Limo. Triple M's Dead Set Legends. Oh, 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 oh. I got the heart of a legend. Bonson Pally gathered it, sidestep, cruises to 50, pulls the trigger from 52. And goes bang! Another handball towards Bonson Pally. He goes from 90. He sees an open goal square. Don't tell me the bot. That is the goal of the year. Head over the footy. Bonson Pally tracked it oh. nicely. Crossed the body and the bot put it through. Bonson Pally's got his own footy at the moment. Launches a long one from 50 metres out. Marcus Bonson Pally. Bonson Pally with a bit of magic. I got the heart of a legend. Marcus Bonson Pally's 200th game. And so we thought, why not bring on one of his former teammates. He played 154 games with the Dodgers. Including that 2016 fairy tale flag, Luke Dowhouse joins us. Luke, thanks so much for your time. Firstly, what are you up to these days? Um, I'm actually uh, actually into the building industry at the moment. So um, yeah, started that as soon as I finished up. So um, yeah, putting up a couple uh, wobbly walls at the moment. <laughs> and still playing some footy? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, still am. Yeah, playing at um, playing at Point Cook Bulldogs in the WRFL, so Clay Smith convinced me to go over. So, um, yeah, having one last final year, I think, there. You'd be kicking snags, wouldn't you, forward, Dale? I've only kicked one, to be honest. I've missed a few, so I haven't really, obviously, been practising too much, so I've been struggling in front of goal. (laughs) They need to isolate you forward is what they need to do so you can kick some bags. Hey, one of your former teammates, Marcus Pontebelli, plays his 200th game today, potentially the greatest player the club has ever seen by the time he winds his uh, career up. What makes this man so special? Um, Oh, yeah, as you know, you all all would have seen it. He's he's an absolute superstar. I think what makes him better, though, you, you hear him speak, in front of the media or if you speak to him in conversation, he's just even a better person as well. So, um, yeah, he's, he's just an absolute superstar. And, um, oh, I think he'll go on to play at nearly 400. I reckon mm. he's that good. 
What's he like? Because we all see, you're right, Lukey, we all see him on the field. We know what he can do. But what's he like sort of around the club and his personality? You know, is party. He, is he a guy? Yeah. I'm tipping he wasn't going out with you and a few of the other lads when you, you were partying <laughs> up. But what, what's he like? Give us a bit of an insight into his personality. <laughs> Yeah, I think he figured out early to stay away from a few bucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, he's no, he's great. He's he's one of those blokes that sort of comes through the doors. And he was, um, well, I think he might have even captained a game in his in his second year or something. He might have been the youngest captain, so he was ready made for it. And um, yeah, no, he's a ripping fellow. Um, obviously, he doesn't go out in the town that much. That's probably why he's so good. But um, but no, he's a, he's a ripping fellow. And yeah, he was ready made to be captain as soon as he walked through the doors. Hey, uh, Dale, just quickly, yeah, the the great Vietnam trip after you won the premiership. Did you actually play? Did you actually play a footy? Did you and Libba actually sit field, uh, step foot on the field and play a game? I can't remember if you did or not. Yeah, <laughs> he definitely did. I, I think I might have still been in the bed. It was it was about eight thirty in the morning actually. So uh, yeah, he ended up getting up and playing, but he actually played in the ruck, Tom. So but I, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not sure if he wore two boots, or two boots, or just one. Um, it yeah, was, and he had a shaved head too. <laughs> it was Liver's two hundredth game. Uh, Dally's obviously a great mate of yours, and we mentioned. Um, uh, Marcus Bontempelli, it's a bit chalk and cheese, but uh, what about the heart and soul of the club, Tommy Liberatore? I mean, he's sort of um, one of the, one of the favourites at the club. Obviously, can you, you talk about um, what an effort he's made to be such an important player uh, for such a long period of time? Yeah, oh, he's he's an absolute superstar. I like Bond, um, he's probably not noticed as much uh, in the media, but it's funny. I was talking to a bloke I work with the other day. I was saying every time Bond. Bont kicks a goal or does something really well. It's always liver feeding it out. He just does all the team things. And, mm. um, yeah, oh, he's great to watch. And uh, they're definitely two blokes that I still watch every single week now. Mm. And off the field, good value, Limber? Yeah, he's, uh, he's one of the best, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope, uh, the, is it the Point Cook Bulldogs? Hope they get the win for yes. your win today. And thanks so much yes. for your time and, and uh, go the dogs in the Skipper's Milestone game today. Perfect. Thank you very much for having me. Cheers, Thanks, Luke. Was a rookie pick. Yeah. Uh, Lukey Dalhouse. Did very well. Where would you rate Bond? So you've asked the question as to, to Lukey. Oh, oh, you mentioned he might be the yeah. greatest Bulldog. Do you think he'll end up being the greatest I th- Bulldog I think when he retires? I think he has to be. Like, I think he's certainly on, on track. We know EJ Witten um, was a legend of the footy club, of course. But the football, the. I mean, is he in career best form at the moment? I think he is. I think this six-week block's probably been the best of his career, which he, is a pretty big call. If it wasn't for Nick Dacos, well, I mean, Nick Dacos and Jeremy Cameron are creating a lot of the conversation. But yep. Bonten Pally's year has been, he's lifted the Bulldogs off the canvas mm, at zip yep. and two, and they were going horribly. He's the one that started by winning the clearances and lifting the game, and the rest of them have jumped on board now. What more would he have to do, because you've looked at this closely, to... To be to finish the club. Oh, oh yeah, play. I mean another flag. A couple of best and fairest. He looks like their best player and will continue to be their best uh, player for a long time. If you look at what Scotty Pendlebury is doing, as mm. what is a, as a thirty year old, thirty four year old, you can see Marcus Bunsenpelli doing yeah. exactly the same thing because he's just about like Pendles. He's one of the best ball users in congestion. It's one thing to be able to hit targets out in space, Joey. He does it with three blokes hanging Well, well he's got the ability to win it on the inside, but then the outside stuff as well with his ball use. And then he can push forward and mark. He ticks all the boxes, but he'll finish Cathy's career, you know, with the seven or eight All-Australians and BNFs, yeah. like the, you know, the Rusciutos and Buckleys and, and some of the yeah. all-time greats. So I agree with Jay-Z. If the Dogs win another flag and, he's a, and he'll be the captain, two-time yeah. premiership player at the Dogs, then he might just be the top of the tree. Deserves all the plaudits today. Congratulations to him. Gents, a lot of action going on today. Five games uh, in the AFL starts with the Brisbane Lions hosting Fremantle at the Gabba. Quick tip. Uh, calling that one for Fox footy. So I'm looking forward to it. You think Brisbane are the obvious favourites, but I'm fascinated to see what Fremantle dish up today. Do yes. they just simplify things a bit? Do they have a crack? They've just been a bit reactive and haven't been sort of attacking the footy and playing on instinct and freedom. It's been a little bit too, um, maybe a bit methodical overthinking. So I'm, I'm interested to see how the Dockers go today. So, dude, does Justin Longmuir change his game plan? Well, no, he doesn't into change. The you don't change your game plan, but you can you can tinker with it and you can make some adjustments, and I expect to see that today. So you reckon they've got gears, they're just not using them? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, everyone, there's a bit of a myth about Fremantle and, and their, their marks and the short kicks. If you look, they're about mid-table. St Kilda and Essendon are actually the top two teams at taking uncontested <laughs> marks, but they're winning, so nobody talks about about that. So 
Um, you know, they've got, they've, it's more issues for them is winning the ground ball, getting numbers over the contest, hunting the ball, and they're defending. They're struggling to defend as well. So there's there's issues everywhere for the Dockers at the moment. They've had a lot, long time to stew on that Bulldogs loss, so they'll be keen to get going this afternoon at the Gabba. Then around about the same time, it's the Sydney Derby, the 25th Sydney Derby between the Swans and Giants at the SCG, and you just wonder what kind of response we're going to see from the Swans. Oh, this is the most fascinating game for me, to see where the Swans are at and what the Giants can dish up. They're, these games are always great value. Um, I, I want to see if the Giants can cause an upset and find out where the Swans are at. What about Luke Park in this? He's won the last three Brett yeah. Kirk medals. The mm. last three times they've played Sydney and Giants, he's been the best player on the ground. He's actually won it five times overall. So he loves playing against the Giants. Again, we expect the Sydney Swans to win, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Giants get up. Bulldogs hosting Hawthorne at Marble Stadium. We've touched on Marcus Bontepelli's 200th yep. game. Then on to the night games, Melbourne and North Melbourne West Coast and Carlton at Optus Stadium. But I want to talk about Sunday's games because there's two absolute crackers, starting with uh, the Scott brothers going head-to-head once again. Brad Scott's Essendon, Chris Scott's Geelong at the MCG. This should be a cracker. Yeah, I've been impressed by Essendon, to be honest, but off a five-day break and missing Jaden Laverde, I think this is going to be tough. Yes, they get Zach Merritt in, um, the Bombers back into that midfield, but against the rampaging Geelong side at the m- that minute, I think it's going to be tricky. They were up for the Anzac Day game, and traditionally we've seen post-Anzac Day, there has been a bit of a drop-off for the two clubs, Collingwood and Essendon. So I'm interested in what they do to fill this Laverde hole, because we know Tipper's in. Um, Joey, does Langford swing back? I thought Langford was the best player uh, for Essendon until three-quarter time, certainly at least. He had three goals. He looks like their most damaging forward. But to replace, what do they do to replace Laverde? We already know it's a bit of a wafer thin defence at times. Yeah. Would you swing him back? Would you um, keep him forward? Because they got Zerk Thatcher and they've yeah. got Ridley who can play tall. But yeah. apart from that, against Cameron and Hawkins, I mean, they could be kicking another 10 to do that. They the, could, the but Laverde's not going to play on Cameron or Hawkins anyway. So does he, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know what he's going to do, to be honest. You sort of look through that. That back line, Jake Kelly's the other one that can, you know, plays a bit more of that sort of negator um, tool. So maybe he starts forward. I still think you start with him forward. They've always got the option of swinging back. But I'm fascinated to see Geelong too. I'm not fully on the bandwagon yet. I think it's been three easy kills against Hawthorne West Coast mm-hmm. and an undermanned young Sydney Swan. So I want to see them against the a really good side, and if they knock off the Bombers, then they're absolutely starting to get back into the groove. Darcy Parrish has been a big free agency story. We know he's from down the highway down there at Catland. Do you think Darcy Parrish should be a good fit for Geelong? Well, I think Darcy Parrish should be a good fit for any club. He's a very good footballer. Yeah, yep. he's a very good footballer, and he's playing some terrific footy. He's not the number one midfielder in the comp for metres gained. So all this talk about Darcy Parrish getting all those sideways balls and mm. handballs, he's actually going forward more than any other midfielder in the competition. If you got him as an A grader or a B grader, no, he's Darcy an A grader, absolute A grader. Yep. Yep. Well, it'd be uh, hard to leave Essendon right now with yes, how they're tracking as well. Yep. Um, so Richmond, they host the Gold Coast Suns at Marvel Stadium in the afternoon game, or the 320 game rather. Kath, it's um, a day. Must, oh, must win. For yeah, them. at Marvel Stadium too. I know Gold Coast hasn't had, hasn't had a super season. I don't think – I think the Suns would be fancying themselves a ch- uh, of a chance of an upset in this one, Joey. Nah, Richmond are morals. Richmond will get their season going. Absolutely. Yeah, morals. I've got the Tigers. Yeah, okay. Yep. And the final game of round seven, perhaps the best game of round seven, the Adelaide Crows hosting Collingwood. This is going to be fascinating. You imagine Adelaide Oval will be rocking. It will have the same vibe as gather rounds. Um, and the big question, and we had Stephen Baker on earlier today, is what to do about Nick Dacos. Is Ben Keyes the perfect man for the job, Joey? Yeah, he is. I think so. Yeah. And I think it'll be a dual role. He'll try and nullify him, but I think they'll try and find a way to exploit Nick Dacos and kick goals on him as well. You can't just run run around and let him do what he wants. You need to make him think the other way. Do you know when we had uh, Ben Keyes on 360 Plus on Thursday night and we grilled him about the Nick Dacos uh, situation and he did his best he, to he tried his avoid it to and yeah. deflect it. But I thought he had this great smile on his face when talking about Nick Dacos and you just got the feeling that perhaps he knows he's going to be playing on Nick Dacos this weekend and he's relishing the challenge. He's up for it. I think so as well. I'm yeah. looking forward to it, calling it off the five-day break. Can they back up from Anzac Day? They've still you know, got some injury concerns and Pendles is going to be out. He's got to be out. He had a few stitches in his eye last night, so um can call him Patches or Captain Feather sort of at the moment because he's got one of his eyes um, covered at the minute. Uh, is the Jordan Dawson move from the wing to on ball, that's just about the positional change of the season so far, yeah. do you think? Yeah, it is. And I think it should be an eye-opener for other clubs that it maybe that are struggling too. Look at what you've got on your own list. Mm. Change yep. some positions up and see that an impact it can have. I mean, Port Adelaide's another great, great example. They've done the same. Move some guys into different spots and it's been working wonders. Who have you tipped? 
I went, I've gone the Crows. I went Adelaide as well, but yeah. it's a 50-50 game. I've just lent to the home side, pulling it off the five-day break and some yep. injury concerns. Don't underestimate Jordan Degoe's season. I mm-hmm. thought he had a very good Anzac game. Yep. Excuse me? Who have you tipped? Collingwood. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. We'll see who's right next week, Joey and Kath or Jay-Z. Mm. The Dead Set Legends. Give me a spell. Give me a spell. Give me a spell. Okay, so I'm obviously not a parent, but I babysat my nephew during the week. Yes. How much is your stock standard baby Chino? Yes, this has actually it's appeared on Give Me question. a Spell before. Yeah. How, how you can much? pay up to $3 Or for they give it to you for free sometimes, depending. I Who's giving away free oh, baby chinos these days? Free baby chino for if your you local get, cafe. If you get the frickles and the little marshmallows, sometimes they can charge 3 bucks, and it's been an issue before. I got charged four fifty the other day no, at a cafe for a baby no, chino. This must and be a perfect. I, I was astounded. Yes. So that's like a little bit of milk with a marshmallow. Some froth. Yeah. Where, where is this cafe? Where is Oh, it? I don't want to name and shame, but what the hell? Was Give it a me Mel- a spell. It's a baby chino. Is it a Melbourne one? Should be free. Melbourne? No. It's a perfect. Of course they did. What have you got for me? The golden triangle over there in Perth. Oh, give me a spell. The booing of Jason Horn Francis. We've touched on it already, but I think it really is time to stop bullying. This kid is in his second year. North Melbourne fans can get away with it, of course, because he played from and I and I get that. But St Kilda Culling Western Bulldogs. I don't get it. Essendon fans this weekend. Just give it a give give it a spell. I'm with you. Hey, time for this, Leroy. Your dead set legend. Triple M's dead set legend of the week. Four and 20. We've been there for it all. Australia's original fan food. Mate, you are a legend. Hey, going that well, this segment. Sponsored again, 4 yeah. and 20. You're back on board. <laughs> so thank you to 4 and 20. So I've gone a little bit different here. We just mm. like to uh, do our legend of the week. Anyone heard of Ronnie O'Sullivan? Have you no. heard of Ronnie no. O'Sullivan? No. He's the greatest snooker player of all time. Oh, right? He's a okay. seven-time world champion. The world championships are on at the moment. But it's not Ronnie O'Sullivan who I'm giving the dead set legend of the week to. His opponent was Belgium Luca Brassel, right, who'd never won a match in five previous world, he was, world he was championships. Playing Ronnie. He was playing against Ronnie in the quarterfinal. And he knocked off Ronnie O'Sullivan Ooh. in the quarterfinal to cause an upset. But what made this story more remarkable is in his post-game sort of press conference, he said that he was drunk as hell and didn't get home till 6 a.m. the night before because no he way. thought he had no chance of beating Ronnie O'Sullivan. So he was out partying with his mates. He was just pumped that he got through to a quarterfinal. And what went time out was all the quarterfinal? Night, had a massive night, got drunk, rocked up the next morning, and he's just beaten the world champion, Ronnie O'Sullivan. Wow. So Belgium, Luca Brassel, he's out dead set. Wow. Legend of the week. Well, you've gone um, worldwide. I have. <laughs> I was following the Snooker <laughs> World Championships. No one else has been following it. Is it just nah. me? How did there you, you actually come across that? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> ah, gosh. This has been Triple M's Dead Set Legends. That's it for this week's edition of Triple M's Dead Set Legends. For fast, reliable internet, switch to Aussie Broadband today. AussieBroadband.com.au These legends will be back next week. It's like Adele Santo Montana once <laughs> back in the day. <laughs>